0: Good morning. Maybe just a clarification on the, on the work in the Bahamas. Ray said, looking for men, and there's some women that had signed up, and that's great. I talked to Matt, and the remaining spots there, he thought that probably best if we have men to fill them. So if you're here this morning, you signed up, like, oh, what did he mean? Well, he meant, it's great that you signed up, ladies, and the remaining spots are opportunities for men if you feel led to go. <clears throat> the title of the message this morning is A Choice at Kadesh Barnea. I guess I was just not quite finished with the Old Testament studies that we had in our Sunday School lessons. Uh, I was really enjoying them. There's one thing about uh, the stories of Joseph, you can go through them over and over again and new ideas pop out and there's things you can learn each and every time. Last week our Sunday School lesson ended with Joseph forgiving his brothers and then Jacob moving his family into Egypt. And later, it died in Egypt and was carried back and buried in the land of Canaan. And our lesson was in chapter 50. And there, as we were studying, his name, the name Jacob was still being used, even though his name had been changed to Israel back in chapter 32. So the children of Israel that we talk so much about were children of Jacob slash Israel and their families. So that we went through Genesis, Exodus, is the next book, and that's the children of Israel living in Egypt uh, due to the famine that was in their homeland, which we talked about, and then following last Sunday's lesson and looking into the next book, Pharaoh, this new king in Egypt, comes into, into power. And he was concerned that these children of Israel, as they were growing, they were going to become a large people group, bigger than Egyptians themselves. So he says, we've got to control this, so he began to afflict them and give them work to do. His plan did not work in Exodus 1.12. The more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were grieved because of the children of Israel. So that plan didn't work, so he moves on to his next plan, and that was, okay, all the baby boys that are born, they need to be killed, thrown into the river. and uh, Which brings us to the story of Moses, who was placed in that ark of bulrushes and placed near, float near the edge where he was found and rescued by Pharaoh's daughter. A number of years later, God calls Moses from the burning bush, and He commissions Moses to lead the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt to deliver them from the hand of Pharaoh. And uh, the story we know, Moses did not like the responsibility, made up some excuses, tried his best to get out of it, and in the end, he did give in and agree to do that. But in the lessons that we looked at and we studied about in Joseph, what we saw in Joseph's life was God. He was fully aware of what was happening and he was in control of what was going on, and his leading was clearly evident. And then, here with Moses, uh, some miracles started to happen. You know, God spoke to Moses from that burning bush, but the bush was not consumed. Exodus 3. And then Moses needed a little bit of help believing that the children of Israel were going to listen to him. So God, trying to help Moses, turned Moses' rod into a snake. Moses, just trust me and I will take care of it. So later, after Moses agrees to be the leader God was calling to him to be, then the plagues begin. And we're getting closer to the verses that I want to dig into, but the reason I'm doing some of this background is... To help us see and to remember that the children of Israel, even though living in bondage in, in Egypt, they saw uh, with firsthand experiences experience, front row seats, if you will, the mighty hand of God working through each plague. So number one, the water became blood, Exodus seven, and it lasted seven days. But this is just happening. The children of Israel were living in the land of Goshen, and the Egyptians were right close by, but this was just happening to the Egyptian people. Next, frogs. Can you imagine frogs everywhere and everything? And the third one was lice, every man and every animal. Next, there were the flies, but I repeat, not in the place where the children of Israel were living. And here again, they're witnessing the power and the might of God firsthand. Then we have the death of the livestock, but the children of Israel, their livestock were fine. It says uh, the Lord will sever between, and you just here we're trying. What I'm trying to get you to see is the ability and the power of God. Then next come uh, the number six was the boils again upon the Egyptians only. Number seven was hail, destroyed a lot of the land. Uh, Leads us in chapter eight. Then we come the locusts. What the hail didn't destroy, the locusts took care of. Then. Darkness came upon, plague number 9. And the Bible says darkness which could be felt, but the uh, children of Israel, they were not affected. And then the death of the firstborn, and that's Exodus 11. And here we see where the Passover came to be, where the children of Israel were to kill a lamb that was without blemish, put blood on the doorposts of their, of their homes, so the death angel passed over their home. But there was death in every home of the Egyptians, uh, Exodus 12, verse 30. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house, where there was not one dead. So now Pharaoh began to realize, too, the power and the strength of God. And that was the last of the plagues. And after that, Pharaoh let the children of Israel go. Or, better yet, said he sent them away. And here, as a reminder, the children of Israel saw God work in the land of Egypt. God's hand was against the Egyptians, and he showed miraculous favor towards the Hebrews. And that leads us to, we're in the book of Exodus. Exodus means exit or departure. And here's where the children of Israel got together, and they left the land of Egypt, traveling towards the land of Canaan. In Exodus chapter 13, we see God knew his people well, and he led them around the land of the Philistines, because if he let them through, there would be a war. Then the children of Israel would be tempted to turn back to Egypt. And God had this trip well planned. And I was looking at a number of maps. And to go through the land of uh, the Philistines was a straight shot from Egypt right over to Canaan. It would have been a short trip, not that, not that far. But God knew what was going to happen. And if you see on the, on the maps, he led them way out around and through here and through there. But God... Had his trip well planned, and he led them with a pillar of cloud by night, by day, and a, p- a pillar of fire by night. Now, try to imagine traveling with the children of Israel. Just, just put yourself there, and you're walking along, and, and your family might say, are, are we on the right way? Or we're sure we're going right? Well, you look up and you see the, the cloud, or at nighttime you see the fire, like, yep, without a doubt. We're following God. God here is with, God is with us. We have nothing, no reason to doubt nor to fear. Well, back to Pharaoh. It didn't take him long to change his mind, so he gathered his army together and pursued after the children of Israel, thought, I'm going to go get them and bring them back to Egypt so they can come back here and work for us again. And he finds them, or he found them by the Red Sea. So here, the children of Israel were both trapped and they were afraid. With the Red Sea ahead of them, they couldn't go forward, and there was, with the Egyptian army behind them, they were afraid and nowhere to go. So after all the miracles that, uh, that they saw God do in, and witness up to this point, did they have any reason to fear? Today we look in our Bibles and we can read about this. They experienced it firsthand, did they have any reason to fear? Hang on to that question and listen to this and, a, and answer this one. Would we have responded differently if we were there with the group? Does our faith become weak when we're afraid or in a nowhere to turn situation? Do we find it easy to remain spiritually strong and faithfully following God when things are going well and the plagues are falling, are falling on the wicked? Like, well, where we're, everything's going okay? Or does our faith begin to waver when when, uh, we're going through times of trials and testings? So the children of Israel were at the Red Sea and the Egyptian army behind them. And here's what happened. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes. And behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses... Because there were no graves in Egypt, thou hast taken us away to die in the wilderness. Wherefore hast thou, excuse me, thus dealt with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word which we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it's better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in this wilderness. What we want to look at, well, what I'm trying to, the picture I'm trying to paint is the protecting and the providing hand of God Upon these people, and as soon as something doesn't quite go right, look at their response. So we could say, Well, was this a time for concern? And I, I would say the answer would be yes. It was a time for concern. But God had clearly showed them his strength earlier. And now, at this point in their lives, what did God want them to do? God wanted them to stand still and see his salvation. I'm in mean, Exodus 14, verse 13 and 14. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Which he will show you this day. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, ye shall see see them never more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. You know, words of comfort. The Lord's gonna fight for you. All they needed to do was stand still and see. And when you when you think of the, see that account there with Moses, Moses said, told them what is going to happen. He said, Children of Israel, look back. You see the Egyptians? Okay, you're going to see them no more. Then look at David. David told Goliath, This day the Lord will deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and will give it to the carcass of the host of Philistines of this day, and to the fowls of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. He told this Goliath what's going to happen while they were both still alive. While Goliath was still alive. And then David said this that all the earth may know that there is a God in heaven. David was fully aware the battle was the Lord's and he knew who was going to fight for him. You know, what we see here is the beauty of the goodness of God. He, He will send tests our way. I don't think we can avoid that. And there will be valid experiences that we need to go through, and there will be testing trials that we need to endure. But they are designed to lead us to rely upon our mighty God and to grow closer to Him. The Children of Israel, they saw the, the, the Egyptian army and they cried out and said, Jesus, why did you just let us die back there? Why do you bring us here to die here? Why didn't we just stay back there? But God planned them and Moses, they explained it clearly. No, God brought you here so you could just stand still, just relax and see the salvation of the Lord. Now, how many times do we get to a place in our lives where it's like, oh boy, what's going what, to happen here? But God wants, God wants to show us His power. But there are some times that we need to stand still and allow him to work. See, God is in control. God, he is our master. We are his children. And in 1 Peter, it's not his will that any should perish. So trials and experiences without answers, they're not intended to cause us to go astray, but they're there for us to surrender our will and our agenda to him as we cast our care upon him. The children of Israel left and they said, great, the... Egyptian army is behind us, we're done. And so their plan was, let's just take a nice leisurely walk or a hard walk, whatever it was, to this wilderness and get to the promised land. And God said, well, let me put you through this trial. And that was their response. What about when he puts us through? What is our response? But well, we need to surrender our will and our agenda and cast our care upon him. When we're up against uh, with a nowhere to turn, ever been there? What's the plan? Stand still. Hold your peace and allow God to work. And even though Israel complained and they longed to return into the bondage back there in Egypt, God quickly provided for them. It says, And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud and darkness to the the Egyptians, but it gave light by night to these, or to the children of Israel, so that no, no one came near the other all night. How close they were when this happened, we're not told. But God said, oh, okay, let's take the cloud, put it here. It's going to be darkness to them and light to you. Do you see this miraculous power of God as he provided for his children over and over and over again? He used that cloud to separate them and followed that. The, the dry path through the Red Sea. And after the Red Sea experience, the miracles continue to happen. Exodus 15, a bitter water is made sweet by dropping a tree into the water. And is that, did the tree have anything to do with it? We are, we are well aware that it was a mighty hand of God. Exodus 16, the people are fed with quail and manna. We know the story about the manna coming down. Is that a miracle or did that just so happen to be at the right place at the right time? That was God's hand at work. Exodus 17, Moses strikes a rock. What happens when I strike a rock? Most likely nothing. What happens when Moses did? Out comes water. Do we see God working here? Then in Exodus 20, we're given the Ten Commandments. And Commandment number one, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And now, again, we're trying to imagine ourselves traveling with the children of Israel and experience what they have been experiencing. And now God kindly says, "Uh, you should have no other gods before me. And then we stop and think there is no one else, none other that could do what God had done for them thus far and just providing for them over and over again. And the very thought of turning away from him should have been a very foreign thought to all, but God gives them that commandment. The remainder of the book of Exodus and the book of Leviticus is where we have the law that's given and instructions for the tabernacle. And then we get, following that, we get into the book of Numbers where the children of Israel are numbered, and also that part the beginning of the, of the book of Numbers is a continuation of the book of, of Leviticus. And then we get to Numbers 13 and 14, and we have the story of the t- spies that were sent out to uh, to view out the land of Jericho. But that there story is also carried over into where I'd like to you to turn to, if you will, and that is the first chapter in the book of Deuteronomy. That's what we're going to look at here this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 1. What we have in the book of Deuteronomy is uh, three farewell sermons to Israel given by 120-year-old Moses just prior to his death. And the book of Deuteronomy is written. For the children of Israel to challenge them to live their lives in faith and obedience to the Lord as they go back and review uh, the events in the past. And Moses gives, gives constant encouragement to the Israelites to remember that original covenant they had with God and the God who freed them from the Egyptian bondage and who sustained them through the wilderness. And the only proper response from such an undeserving people is obedience to God without reservation. And I just, we covered, quickly covered a lot of the miracles and things that God had done for the children of Israel. And so that response now, which is complete obedience without reservation. So Deuteronomy 1, chapter, uh, verse 1 through 18, Moses begins his speech with the promise of God. And then verse 19 is where I'd like to jump in and read to verse uh, 28. Deuteronomy 1, 19 and when we departed from Horeb, we went through all that great and terrible wilderness, which ye saw by the way of the mountain of the Amorites, as the Lord our God commanded us. And we came to Kadesh Barnea. And I said unto you, Ye are come unto the mountain of the Amorites, which the Lord our God doth give unto us. Behold, the Lord thy God hath set the land before thee. Go up and possess it, as the Lord thy God of thy fathers has said unto thee, Fear not, neither be discouraged." And ye came near unto me, every one of you, and said, We will send men before us. They shall go search out the land and bring us word again that by what way we must go up and into what cities we shall come. And here we have the story of the twelve spies sent out. And the same pleased me well, and I took twelve men of you, one of, one of a tribe. And they turned and went up into the mountain and came unto the valley of Escal and searched it out. And they took the fruit, of the, hand in their, of the, the fruit of the land in their hands, and brought it down unto us, and brought us word again, and said, It is a good land, which the Lord our God doth give us. Notwithstanding, ye would not go up, but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. And ye murmured in your tents, and said, Because the Lord hated us, he hath brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying, The people is greater and taller than we. The cities are great and walled up to heaven. And moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakins there. I think we'll stop reading there. So here, the title, like I said, is The Choice at Cardespornea. And here we see the choices, the choice that they made when they reach this point in their life. So after traveling through the wilderness, just to bring you up to date, they're right there, just right across the river into the promised land. So they're that close. And Moses telling them here, go up and look at some key points in these verses. He said, the Lord is giving you this land in, in verse 20. He says in verse 21, fear not, neither be discouraged. Then we see the, tw- the spies were sent out. They were impressed with the land. They returned with the fruit and the report was given, he said, "It is a good land that the Lord is blessing us with." And at this point, the 10 spies, the other 10, should have stopped talking. And as we think about, again, some of the big things that God had just accomplished for them, just imagine again, standing there at the Red Sea and the dry ground that appeared. And imagine you're, the, land, the people are thirsty, and they're getting water from a rock. And here, what they have, what they saw was this great people, and they said, oh, we can't go up. And verse 26, it says, notwithstanding ye would not go up. Even though the report that was given was positive, nevertheless, ye would not go up. And the question could be asked, why not? And verse 28, it gives us the answer. Did they forget the wilderness experience? Let's look at three things that uh, they discovered at Kadesh Bornea. Number one was the fruit. So they went up, and if some childhood books have the have the picture of two men coming back carrying some grapes between them because the, the, the vines were so big they were carrying them back. If that's the case, it doesn't say it right here. But they seen the fruit and and they brought they brought some back. And their their response was, look, God's giving us a good lamb, and this will soon be our fruit. So there we have the beginning of their report was positive. Encourage and and motivating news. Let's go up and take the land. The second thing they saw was the foe. The fruit was a good thing. The second thing was the foe. And here we see in verse 28, it says, they're a, a great people, taller than we. The cities are great, walled up to heaven. And then we get into the giants. Number 1333 says, this is their report when they come back. It says, and there, and there we saw the giants, The sons of Anak, which which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers; so were we in their sight. So the ten spies, they saw fruit, but they also saw the foe, and they focused on the foe. And the third thing that we can see that the children of Israel discovered there was that their faith was weak. And this was, this was their thought pattern. After what God had brought them through, they said, oh, whoa, whoa, where is nothing in their sight? Compared to these giants, defeat is obvious. Why even bother going up? And I asked the question here, what happened to God? And we'll come back to cover some of this here shortly. Now we're going to look at the three choices at Kadesh Barnea. And number one, they refused to enter the promised land. Verse 26. Notwithstanding, ye would not go up. After all the previous miracles that God saw, now they took God out of the picture and said, we're on our own and we cannot go into the promised land. The second thing that they saw there, the second choice they made was they rebelled. Also in verse 26, but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. Against who? They rebelled against God himself. And what this rebellion led them to sulk away in their tents. They murmured against God as we see in verse 27, They tried to imagine untruth about him, come up with a story that he doesn't like us. That's why he brought us here, so that our enemies could destroy us. And then the third thing they decided to do at Kadesh was they decided to retreat. Verse 43 and 44. I spake unto you, and ye would not hear but rebelled against the command of the Lord and went presumptuously up into the hill. And the Amorites which dwelt in that that mountain came out against you and chased you as bees do and destroyed you even to Seir, even unto Horem. They went up after they were told not to and God said, do not go up, I will not be with you. We find that in verses 41 and 42 and they had to retreat. They were chased because they went where God told them not to go. Question, what are you facing today? And I was, had to think about some things here at church. Sickness, falls. I heard just recently, as you heard this morning, that Dan fell for the second time and you asked yourself why. Had to think about the hospital stays where many had. And other trials, a number of us here, a number of church went through in, in the recent months. And while... While they may be a little different from the experiences of the children of Israel, the question that we could ask ourselves is how did we grade on the test that God allowed us to go through? I haven't heard any, anybody murmur or complain about what, what they went through, which is, which is great. But God provided for the children of Israel through the wilderness. Each and every day just took care of them in a tremendous way. And today, you and I are here this morning and we're serving the the same God. And God today is providing for you and us as well. You know, some things have happened and we don't understand why. And possibly may not find out why. But let's not fail the test and turn our back on God. The lessons that we, we see here and the story, that was written so that we can learn from it, not so that we can turn around and make the same mistake. So as, as we count our blessings, we're quickly reminded that we serve a great God. And like the children of Israel, our only response, only proper response should be that we would just be in complete obedience to God without reservation. Yes, he allows us to go through things. And I repeat, we don't always know Why? Well, what is our how how do we grade on the test? Then my studies have come across a place where it said the Israel was without excuse at Kardashania. They were without excuse. And think of all that the people should have learned about God's power and strength. And to name a few, we covered the plagues in Israel, the Passover, just God, just for years guiding them with the pillars of the thin clouds. And the song of Moses. And I repeat again, the rock that gave them water and the man that God provided for them, the law, the tabernacle. And all these were given to the children of Israel. You know why? They were given them, to them uh, as an intent to mature the people so they could grow in their Christian faith, intending to mature them. But what happened? So that they should have been ready to face the giants that they saw in the promised land. But what did they do? Instead, they made a fatal choice. And they rebelled against God and spent the next, if you read on the next 40 years, wandering in the wilderness where many died, a choice that led them to their death. They were on the verge of victory, just one river in between, but they lacked faith. They trusted God to bring them out of Egypt, but they failed to trust God to bring them into the land of Canaan. How can we apply this to our lives? Many a believer... And maybe us this morning, we're going, to have, we're going to have our own personal Kadesh Barnea. That is the place where a decision is made that leaves a mark on the rest of our lives. And we come to that place in our lives, how are we going to respond? It's quite possible that in a people group as large as the children of Israel, there were some in the group that would have influenced others to rebel as they were to get the group together. And how is it today for you in your spiritual life? Are you allowing others to influence you in a negative way? Or are you being a negative influence? Or are you being a Caleb? And Caleb and Joshua are the two stars that stand out in this story. Although we didn't cover them a whole lot. Caleb said in, in number 1330, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. And here in in Deuteronomy 1, verse 36, it says, uh, talking about Caleb, to him will I give the land which he had trodden upon, and to his children, why? Because he hath wholly followed the Lord. Caleb and Joshua were two two along with the ten others that went up to check out the land of Jericho. And all all twelve saw the exact same thing. Ten spies come back filled with fear. Caleb and Joshua come back filled with the power of God. There we have twelve people and we have two different responses. What about for us today? John Wesley said this. And if I remember right, I might have mentioned this before, so forgive me if you heard this, but John Wesley said this, If I had 300 men who feared nothing but God, hated nothing but sin, and were determined to know nothing among men but Jesus Christ and Him crucified, I would set the world on fire. What's our commitment like today? And I trust we're learning from the children of Israel and not pattern our lives after them. Romans 8.31 says, What can we say then to these things? And these things is a broad picture. Put yourself, or your situation, or your testing, or tr- your trial, into this here, and says, and uh, the verse continues and says, "If God be for us, who can be against us?" And I, this morning, folks, I trust that is where we are at. Yes, God takes us through a valley experience, and we say, "God, why?" And I'll be honest, when I heard, I'll be honest, when I heard Dan fail the second time, I just said, "Why?" You think of some of the you look at his life and you say, God, but he did not, not make a mistake. And maybe I'll never live to know why this had to happen. But it's not, it, this is things that come our way are not intended to make us say, well, there's not a God. No, it would tend just to continue to put our care and cast our care upon him. In Moses, I'm sorry, in Deuteronomy 20, uh, chapter 1, 28, 29 and 31, Moses gives some encouraging words Although he's writing the story afterwards, it was to no avail to the people. But trust it is something that we can take with us today. Moses said in verse twenty nine, he said, Then I said unto you, after they said what after the children of Israel were done speaking, then I said unto you, Dread not, neither be afraid. The Lord your God which goeth before you, he shall fight for you, according to all that he, had, he did for you in Egypt before your eyes, and in the wilderness where thou hast seen how the Lord thy God bare thee as a man bare his son, and all the way he went until you came into this place. Dread not, neither be afraid. Trust and faith in God will quickly be replaced by fear and dread when we, if we, in our minds, minimize the power power and strength of God and view the giants in our lives as greater and larger than the ability of God." They went through so many experiences and God just parted the waters and away they went. And now they come to a human giant and they fall. There may be times that we may not verbalize our thoughts, but fear is going to take over and override our confidence in God when we limit his might. So let's not minimize the power and the strength of God, but remember some of the miracles that we see he did for them. Moses told the people, do not be afraid. And then in verse 30, he says, the Lord, your God. And I kind of like how he personalized that. This is your God. Look what he did for you. He went before you. and He will do, again, as he did in the past, he will fight for you, basically telling the people there, he's going to fight in your place. You don't have to, all you have to do is be there to witness it. God is able to win the battle for you. And if they doubted all that, he added in the end of verse, like he did for you when you were living in Egypt. we, We covered that. And through the wilderness, in verse 31, he can provide the same way, like a take care of you, like a father takes care of his children. And later, a number of chapters later in Deuteronomy, in uh, chapter 20, the verse, verse 1 says, When thou goest out to battle against thine enemies, and seest the horses and the chariots and the people more than thou, so you're going to see these great things, you're going to see these things. This is what he says. Be not afraid of them, for the Lord your God is with thee." Just words of comfort, which brought thee up out of the land, land of Egypt. The story of the children of Israel is one that we can learn from. So when, when you face a Red Sea or a wilderness or a giant experience, and they may come your way, remember the choice that these people made and don't minimize the power of your master. Speaking of confidence in Christ, J. Taylor said this. He said, look at the butterfly, look at that beautiful butterfly and learn from it to trust in God. One might wonder where it could live on stormy nights, in a whirlwind or in the stormy day, but I've noticed it safe and dry under the broad leaf where rivers have flooded and the mountain oaks were torn up by their roots. And God takes care of the butterfly. Will he not also take care of us? Now, Yorick Zwingli said this, Our confidence in Christ does not make us lazy, negligent, or careless, but on the contrary, it awakens us, urges us on, and makes us active in righteous living and doing good. There is no self-confidence to compare with this. So when we take our confidence in our, our lives and just... Put them in Christ. It's not going to make us, like he said there, lazy and so on. But it to make us active and just motivate us on to righteous living. I'm going to close with a verse from Mark 5. And although spoken to a, the ruler of the synagogue, I believe it applies to us this morning. And the verse says, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, and I say to you here this morning, be not afraid, only believe. That's Paul's prayer. Lord, we just pause before you this morning, recognizing you as an almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing God. And Lord, I trust that we can take our confidence in our, everything that we have and just place it in you. So when the storms come and we face the giants in our lives, help us not to murmur and complain and turn and retreat and, and be afraid, but just to stand still and see the salvation that you will provide for us. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us in a way you have already. I pray you continue to be with us throughout this day and our lives to come, that you would just show yourself strong. And I pray that each soul here this morning could put their complete confidence and trust in you. Lord, we want to give you all honor and glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.